Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Women's Cricket Chat. That's Georgie and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast. Hello and welcome back to Women's Cricket Chat. We hope you've missed us. It's been a while, but we have an absolute stellar guest to kick off the season. Myself, Georgie, and Alex are very happy to say we are joined by the wonderful Ellie Throwgeld. Hello to you. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. No, absolutely buzzing. I feel like it's one of those ones we've been trying to sort for a long time and you cricketers are just very, very busy while the rest of us are just sat on the floor in their living rooms as anyone watching on the video can probably see. But yeah, season's over for you now. And um, what a fine, mighty fine end to the season it was for you. I mean, how did it feel to finish off the season with a century? Yeah, it was it was pretty special to be honest. I think um, more so getting getting a win for Shawsy's final game. I think that was something that obviously was motivating us all. But yeah, to contribute and to to hit my first hundred at Old Trafford was uh, was pretty special. And what was it that clicked that day? Because it just looked like you were just seeing it like a beach ball and just loving life. Or was it sort of end of season, right? You know, this is the one now. Um, yeah, I don't know really. I think I felt pretty good with the bat for a couple of months. I just feel like. Um, yeah, just not quite got going in some games, and um, yeah, the seasons felt quite bitty and a little bit of like obviously a lot of rain around, and just felt like I've struggled to personally just get going and get a bit of momentum really. So um, yeah, it felt like almost a long time coming. I feel like I've worked really hard on my batting, um, but yeah, to to do it in the final game was was pretty special. But now I just wanted the season to carry on and didn't want it to finish. So um, yeah, it was bittersweet really. And rain in Manchester, what are you on about? Never. <laughs> I know. Honestly, I didn't play a game of cricket for a whole month. So, like, July was just rained off. So, um, that's the first time I've ever experienced that in a, in a cricket season. But, yeah, it's mad. 
And obviously, with the weather being such a factor when you play cricket, how hard is it for you or how difficult do you find it when you have those periods of time where it, you know, chucks it down with rain for a month and then all of a sudden we've got glorious sunshine and then you're sort of having to get back into that mode of, I've got to, I've got to score some runs, I've got to take some catches down the leg side, you know, all that fun stuff as a wicketkeeper. Yeah, I think it's, it's tough to be honest. I think um, we just spoke a lot about trying to make the best out of bad situations. So when it's raining, like, yes, we might be indoors, but um, can we use that time to get better as cricketers and um, and then use, yeah, use that time well. And then when, when we need to be ready, we are ready. Um, and yeah, I guess the other side of it is just making sure your mindset's right when you need to be on your own. And then um, when you are off, you can relax and do what you want, really. And you mentioned this being quite a bitty season. It's also been quite an up and down season for Thunder as well, hasn't it? Obviously, a while to get that hey-ho Flint win, but made just got yourselves to that eliminator in the Charlotte Edwards Cup. So can you sum up this season for us? Yeah, I always joke about riding the wave and goodness me, it's been a big wave this summer. But um, yeah, I think we obviously struggled at the, at the beginning and didn't quite get going for a while. Um, and I remember sitting down with Shawsy actually and being like, we're not going to win a game of cricket all year. Like I've literally felt really low myself. I think the group felt pretty low. Um, and I remember, yes, yeah, sitting with Shawsy and being like, how are we going to turn this around? And I think it's probably a testament to the people in the dressing room and the fact that we've got good people with good attitudes that we were able to do that really. And I think, um, yeah, once we got that first win, things just started to click and we went on a bit of a run. And I think people often talk about how important momentum can be in cricket and I think that just showed to be honest that it was pretty important and um, yeah obviously the, the mood of the camp changed drastically and um, we all of a sudden we were sat at Worcester at a finals day and first ever finals day and it was like a few people were like how have we got here so um, yeah no I think it was brilliant that we turned the season around showed a lot of character a lot of resilience um, and yeah obviously to sort of lead the team at the first finals day like personally it was pretty special as well I think I've never been involved in one and to, to be involved in one as captain. Um, yeah, felt like I'd made a bit, a bit of an impact on the group as well, which was nice. Um, and we came pretty close to Vipers in the semi as well, which was which was good. I think shows that we're competing against the bigger teams. Um, and then, yeah, obviously didn't finish quite as strong either in, in the 50 over comp. But I think um, the story of our seasons, basically, we're not doing our skills for long enough in 50 over cricket, really. So I guess... The team's really young, got loads of potential, and we've showed really like good glimpses of some really good cricket. We just need to do it for longer. So I think that's definitely something we'll try and take into next year and work hard on over the winter. And obviously being captain, when you do have those low moments, how do you mo- motivate the team and make sure they are performing to their best? Um, I think it's just doing everything I can in my control, really. So I think... Um, Obviously, I was feeling pretty down, but I would never let that show to the group. And I think every day I came in with a smile on my face and um, was checking in on everybody else, making sure everyone was all right and trying to bring as much energy and like positivity to the group as, as I possibly could, really. Which, yeah, it's not always easy when you're not feeling in that place yourself. And I guess when you're not performing yourself as well, it's pretty difficult to, to lead the group. And that's something I've definitely had my challenges with. Um, but yeah, it's almost like putting on a bit of a front in front of the girls, really, and making sure that they're okay and yeah like I said just bringing as much energy and positivity to the group and and leading by example in what I do really. And on that role as the captain what was it like when you were named as captain because you are still a very young player you know you mentioned you've got a young team as well but that must have been a pretty cool moment for you. 
Yeah, it definitely was. I think it's something I've always sort of like dreamed of doing. And I, I just didn't realise, well, I didn't expect to be doing it so young, really. I think um, I got told a couple of weeks before the start of the season, the first year I did it. Um, so it was all a little bit of a, a shock and something I wasn't really prepared for. But I think actually that did me did me the world of good. I think I didn't overthink anything. I just got stuck in and almost learned on the job in that first summer. Um, learned a lot tactically. And then I think... Yeah, it was then. It was quite a cool time to take over as well. I think with a young, young team and a young squad, I think I could sort of take it the way I wanted it to to go. And I think Shawsy was quite keen on that as well. That I had a big input, and um, yeah, he wanted me to drive the group as well. So yeah, it was a great time to take over. And I think this year I've definitely found my feet a little bit more, and um, not just from a tactical point of view, but personally, I can see how much I've grown into the role and. Um, all the challenges from that first year, I think I've definitely got better. Um, and I think that's probably testament to being like open-minded and willing to learn, really. I think that's like um, something I said from the beginning, like I'm a young captain, I'm not I'm not going to know everything and I'm going to get things wrong, but um, I'm going to sort of, I'm not scared to lose, but I'm going to do everything we can to win. So um, I think the sort of honesty and being a bit vulnerable in front of the group with that's really helped me massively. And um, it's not just been me in charge it's been sort of a, a team effort really and yeah like I said I've learned a lot and I've still got a long way to go with that but um, yeah I'll keep embracing that and keep trying to get better. Yeah that's what I was gonna say like have you sort of found your style of captaining yet and then also a little sub clause to that one do you find it difficult to captain and keep and bat or at the same time because sometimes they talk about it being harder for the keeper they're having to you're almost running length to go and see the bowler all the time. Yeah, I think I've definitely like found my way of leading now. I think at the beginning I was sort of, I was looking at sort of the leaders who I think have been influential on me in my life and trying to be like them. But actually I think this year I've just tried to be myself and I think that sort of authenticity is massive. And um, yeah, I've just found my own way of doing things and that's maybe taking the best bits out of everything I've seen from different people and, and adding that to sort of my personality. And um, I think that's working a lot better for me. And yeah, I think we did uh, like a personality profiling thing and that was really helpful for me to sort of get to know myself a bit better, but also to get to know the group better. And um, that was really helpful because I think it sort of highlighted that, um, like my biggest strength as a person, which is being pretty people orientated and, um, trying to please people and wanting everyone to get along and stuff can actually be my biggest weakness at times. And um, when you're in a leadership role and you're captain, you're going to have to have some honest and tough conversations with people. And that was the bit I found really challenging. And I've sort of navigated my own way of doing that now. And um, so, yeah, that that sort of get to knowing each other uh, as a group really helped me. Um, and yeah, doing it alongside keeping, I think it, it can be a challenge at times because you are quite far away from the bowler. But I think that's where... Um, I need to have other good leaders on the pitch. Like it's not just me and um, like having a Naomi Datani at mid on or mid off um, to help the bowlers just as just as good as me doing it really. Um, and yeah, I think like also you're in a really good position to see see the rest of the pitch. And before I got the captaincy, I was like pretty big on angles and trying to learn like doing that as that role. So I think that comes into captaincy massively as well. Um, so yeah, and I think just having trust in your own bowlers that they're they're good enough to execute their skills and good enough to execute their own plans. So I don't really need to be by the side the whole time and just trusting them really. But, but yeah, I definitely think it comes with its challenges. 
I don't really switch off for the whole day because I've obviously got to keep Captain Bat. Um, but it's something I've really enjoyed and I think I sort of thrive on the responsibility. So, yeah, I've loved it. Yeah, that kind of leads into my question where I was going to ask, being such a young captain, have there been times when you've you've obviously led on dats to help out with fielding for the bowlers? Have there been times when you've called on sort of some, some of the senior players like your Hartleys before, obviously... She retired at the end of the hundred and Kate Cross. Have you ever like picked their brains? Obviously, not to have the same capacity style, because like you say, everyone's very different, but just to kind of gauge what they're thinking. Yeah, definitely. I've I've like got so so much help from so many people. I think one thing I didn't do was pick a vice captain. I think that was my decision, but because I saw so many leadership qualities in a lot of the girls, but in different ways, that I knew who I would go to in certain moments and um yeah so for example Dax has had a huge role with that at, when the bowlers at the top of the mark to talk to them um I think obviously the experience of the England girls when they come back in is massive but again like they're not around all the time so I can't rely on that um and I think the staff like I've got to mention them as well like Shaws he's the leadership guru he's got his own business in leadership outside of this and um he's been a real sort of like mentor to me from sort of like a more more so from like a, a behavioural point of view and um, like co- having conversations with people like that and how I go about leadership. And then Paz and Chalky, our two assistant coach, are two of the best cricket brains I've ever known in the game. So I think I've been really lucky with the staff I've got around me as well. And they've been sort of brilliant with me in trying to help me develop. And I've got a really good relationship with those. So, yeah, I've got quite a lot of people I can lean on. And yeah, that's why I didn't pick a vice captain because... There's other players on the pitch as well. Afi Morris, um, Tara Norris, they've played a lot of cricket. They've got a lot of experience and I can sort of lean on them in, in different moments in the game. And talking of Fee Morris, Tara Norris, that's and everyone, they're quite a few play- you had quite a few sort of come in this season. There's a lot of moving around that seemed to happen. How did they all slot into Thunder this year? Because I remember looking at the beginning of the year and like, this Thunder team is absolutely stacked. Bat, bowl, keep captain yeah um so they were our three new signings so we had that's fee and tara and yeah i think like before the start of the season when we were looking at signing players i think one thing me and shawsy spoke about was signing really good people and i think the cricket sort of speaks for itself really three really good cricketers well known around the circuit played a lot of cricket but actually they're really good people and that made them fit into the group so easily i lived with tara norris at uni for years so know know her very very well didn't really know Dats or Fee too well before the start and just obviously got a great reputation because they're great people. So, yeah, they, they fit in really well. And um, actually, they've added sort of not just cricket experience, but like obviously they're a little bit older as well. So they've really helped with the, the majority of the group as well. And yeah, the, the girls have absolutely loved having them around and they've added so much. So um, I think they were obviously three really good signings. So done a good job. Enough about the present. I want to go way back to when you first got into cricket. How did it all start for you? Because I understand you were also keen on football. Yeah, so um, I've got an older brother and my older brother was gutted when they found out that they, my mum and dad were having a girl, not a boy, because um, he wanted a boy so he could play uh, football and cricket with them. But I think, like, obviously it didn't matter in the end. So, yeah, he's been, like, a huge influence on uh, how I got into both cricket and football. Just grew up co- copying him, really. Went down to the local club at Rainford, um, near where I live, and sort of just picked a bat up on a ball, watching him play. 
but to be honest, growing up, I was always more football than cricket the whole time. Um, and yeah, it just so happened that cricket was going a little bit better for me and sort of in England programmes and stuff growing up. So I think with that, I then missed a lot of football and was getting sidelined quite a little bit. And um, yeah, ended up sort of finishing my career at Liverpool with like not really playing and just being on the sidelines a lot of the time. And obviously when you're training three times a week to not play, it can help you sort of quickly start not enjoying the game. So yeah, I then sort of moved to Wigan Athletic and then my cricket started going a bit more seriously and ended up at Loughborough Uni because at that point women's cricket wasn't professional. So I had to make a decision of what I wanted to do. And I wanted, at this point wanted to play cricket really. So went to Loughborough as part of their MCCU programme, which allowed you to sort of train and play as a professional cricketer and, and study at the same time. Applied for loads of different degrees there because I didn't really know what I wanted to do academically. Just wanted to go to Loughborough. So um, ended up doing a psychology degree there. Oh, um, I'd never... all the best people do psychology degrees and all the people <laughs> never use them. I mean, you have yours more than I have, but I didn't tell you a thing. Yeah, so I ended up doing that and I'd never studied it before in my life. And like, yeah, I've ended up using it quite a bit. So I went on to do a sports psych master's um, and I'm currently doing my qualification in sport and exercise psychology. So like the stage two with the BPS, which is like loads of applied practice stuff. So well, I am using it sort of alongside. <laughs> um, so I ended up really enjoying it and using it, which was cool. So, yeah, unfortunately not allowed to play footy anymore. But um, obviously within that, I think pretty much straight out of uni, I ended up in a professional contract. So the timing of that couldn't have been better, really. And yeah, that's been me ever since, really. So I've been full time since 2020, I think. And yeah, sort of doing some sports psych stuff on the side. And do you ever talk to players that are a bit older and they'd be like, you don't know how hard it's been. You know, you sort of come out of uni, go straight into that pro contract. Do you ever look at them or speak to them and think, wow, they really, they have to try and do so many different things at once. Is it sort of like, I'm really lucky in this age or it's more just celebration of how far the game has come? Um, a little bit of both, to be honest. I think like... I don't really have those conversations, but I think I was playing like open age cricket for Lancashire women from a really young age. So I have sort of seen both sides of it. I think um, I was lucky enough to obviously, yeah, come out of union to a pro contract, which wasn't around for them. But I've also, I was around a little bit in the days when that wasn't a thing and um, there was no training and you were just expected to turn up and play for Lancashire on a random Sunday and do well. And it was like, I've been around in those days where there was literally no programme at all. So um yeah times have changed really really quickly and yeah I guess it's probably going to keep going that way which is really exciting and uh yeah I just feel pretty like fortunate and unlucky to be where I am now really and Alex sent me this video earlier so do you ever have you ever looked at that England Euros winning thing and be like wow I wonder if I'd stuck with football or you're pretty happy with your cricket these days um yeah I'm definitely really happy with my cricket I think I always believe like everything happens for a reason and stuff like that. And um, I do miss playing football a little bit. But yeah, like I've had already, I've had a pretty special career with loads of opportunities of to travel the world and um, to play alongside and meet some incredible people within cricket. So I wouldn't change it for the world. But I think, um, yeah, I obviously do miss football a little bit. I asked, actually asked because I play a couple of games in the off season and um, I just got shot down straight away. Our physio was like, Ellie would you see Keaton Jennings going to play football in the off-season? And I was like, no, probably not, sorry. <laughs> and you know who ruined all that for everyone was when all the England men used to get injured warming up playing football before all their games? 
And it used to happen so often. It'd be like, oh, he's not playing. He got injured playing football in the warm-up. It's because boys all think they're really, really good at football. So then they all got too into it. That's my theory. We can blame them. But on the cricket side of things, have you always been a keeper or where did that come from? I actually used to bowl. So I used to like um, open the bowling probably under 11s, 12s, 13s. And then I think maybe under 14s I started keeping. And yeah, I did it because we used to go to Malvern College in the summer and um, I used to spend my whole summer holidays there at that age. I used to go with every single age group and spend the whole summer playing there. Um, and the keeper got injured, so I had a little bit of a go and was all right. But then I think because my brother was always a wicket keeper and actually the fact that you were always involved, I just loved it. And I was like, oh, like this is me. Um, so yeah, after that, really, I just sort of carried on training and then... Um, I think it's sort of something I was naturally better at than batting. So yeah, like don't get me wrong, I've worked really hard, but I think the the gains were bigger in that um, than if they were my batting. So yeah, I seemed to progress pretty quick, and that was then what I was picked for in sort of like England stuff from then onwards, really. And obviously, in that little feature you did with uh, Lauren Hemp, you talked about making the decision to choose between football and cricket, and ultimately deciding to choose cricket how hard of a decision was that I think what our listeners really want to know is how good is a Hempo's batting technique (laughs) it was funny actually we went to Sixers in uh, in Manchester and um she put it on like expert and I couldn't hit the ball and then she went in and I didn't realize this at the time she put it on beginner and she starts whacking it so I, I looked rubbish on the video so it wasn't ideal but um yeah no it was um it was a pretty tough decision to leave Liverpool. I think so I'd grown up there, played through the whole age groups and I was uh, in my last year of under 18s at this point. But like um, my family are massive Liverpool fans. I've always been a massive Liverpool fan. So to play there as a kid was like so special and it was all I ever wanted to do really. Um, so to leave there was actually a really tough decision, but I think it, I knew it was the right decision. I think um so at the end of that year, I'd have either got a reserve contract or I wouldn't. But I think the fact that I'd been on the sidelines most of that year and I'd missed every other weekend with an England camp in Loughborough and I'd missed loads of training. And I just think at that point, my cricket career was doing well. So um, I knew that it was the right decision for me to have a future in, in one of the sports. But I think, yeah, I was I was gutted to to leave the club I've, I've always grown up and supported and always wanted to play for, really. But then I moved to Wigan Athletic and had a couple of seasons there. And that was one of the best things I ever did, to be honest. I think they were in a bit of a low league, so it was a slightly more relaxed. Um, didn't train quite as much and um, would get 90 minutes every weekend when I played around a really good set of girls and, and great setup and coaching staff and stuff. So um, I started to really enjoy my football again when I moved there and had a really good few years there. So as much as it was a difficult decision, I think it was definitely the right one. What position were you? Uh, I played centre-half all the way through at Liverpool and then when I moved to Wigan, I turned up on the first day and I told him I played on the left wing because I was a bit bored playing in defence and wanted to play a bit higher at the field. And it was really funny, actually, because the head coach there, um, his daughter played at Liverpool with me the whole way through, so he knew who I was and had come and watched me every weekend. And he's like, Ellie, you don't play on the left wing. And I was like, oh, no, he knows who I am. He's like, oh, you play with Lou, uh, my daughter at Liverpool. Like, I come watch every weekend. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, I'd love to play on the left wing, though, Andy, please. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that you're like, I'm just going to push my luck. And then by chance, you get the one dad that has come to watch every single week. I know. Paris. I know. Do you find that there's any sort of transferable skills between your football and your cricket? 
Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, firstly, the most obvious one was I was always the fittest in the group, which is a lot of hard work now that I've, I don't just play football and I've actually got to do it myself. But yeah, definitely. I think I always say this about kids getting into sport. I think like sport teaches you so much. And I think it doesn't matter what sport you're in, it just teaches you to be a good teammate, like hard work, resilience, all the things that you you learn through sport it doesn't matter what sport you play it teaches you the same things and I think actually sometimes being in a football dressing room when it's a little bit harsher sometimes and people say how it is and it's a little bit of a different environment I think it's yeah it's helped me a lot because I think I'm a lot more sort of yeah resilient and yeah a bit more mentally tough from that experience but yeah I think yeah like I said any sport I think it's got key transfer transferable skills and and I think actually I've learned so much from my cricket that if I went and did anything else in life, I think a lot of the stuff I've learned through cricket, especially leadership, stuff like that, like how to, to be a good person and communicate with people. I think that'll be massive in the rest of my life. So obviously we've seen women's sport, women's cricket, women's football, like we said, all grow massively in the in the last few years. How much have you personally seen that in your experience and is it something that is actually just really obvious and where do you think it can go from here I think yeah it's it's weird like when you're involved in it you sort of don't see you don't see the growth as much because you're just sort of cracking on day to day and I think our part of our job now is to sort of yeah pave the way for the next generation so you're always striving for it to be better but actually when you sit and reflect and look at how far it's come it's it's actually mental like you think even back in the Kia Super League days when for us, that was massive because we got paid to play cricket for a month. That was like, that was huge. And now you look now and it's like, actually, we were only semi-professional for a month. Now you've got players on full-time contracts. You've got players playing in the 100, earning a lot of money. Like the the way, the, how far it's come now is, it's so, it's so crazy. But I think when you're, you're in it and you're wrapped up in it, yeah, like I said, you're always sort of striving for more. And I think, yeah, it's the same with other sports, really. I remember going to watch um, Liverpool United women and like I should follow women's football a lot more than I do but when I was growing up at Liverpool we used to go and watch the first team quite a little bit and like there was never anyone there but actually the other week I went and watched yeah Liverpool United and they play at uh, Lee Sports Village which isn't too far from me and honestly the stadium was packed it was like I've never seen anything like it like it was pretty much a sellout and um, again that was something like I've not followed it for a while but to think about when I was a kid watching Liverpool women to now, like honestly, the like the the change is, is drastic, uh, and it's scary, really. Like, I think the money being thrown around in these franchise tournaments and stuff now for women's cricket, like, I'd love to be a twelve-year-old sat um, or someone starting All Stars now because I think the future is just so bright for them. And yeah, it's really exciting, like how far it could go. And you made your senior debut age fourteen, am I right? And so that's, I think so, yeah, long time ago. I think so, just flippantly can't remember, whatever. Made my senior debut like 10 years ago. <laughs> that's already 10 years ago and you're only 24. So that's insane that you've already got that experience on your belt and there's so much to come in the future. In that time, obviously you've been part of, like you said, the Kia Super League, but then also seen things like the 100 come around. What has that been like to be part of? Yeah, I think... I think the Kia Super League actually did quite a bit for women's cricket. I think, like, if you look back now, you probably don't think it did because of all the exciting things that have happened since. But I think at the time, it sort of uh, bridged a gap between county cricket and international cricket. And I think um, at this point, yeah, county cricket wasn't professional. So you, were, you weren't really training and you'd just turn up and play. And then if you were any good, you'd play for England. So then there was the gap between international and county players was so big that, like, 
yeah, there was a lot of players in that sort of middle bit that were forgotten about and didn't really, they were dominating county cricket but weren't good enough to play for England. So I think the KSL was was brilliant for that. Um, and I think the hundreds doing a similar thing now, really, in this country, but on on sort of a bigger scale. And obviously, you're getting the overseas, so you're attracting the best players in the world. And yeah, you're putting it out there for more people to see. I think I was lucky enough to be part of the first ever 100 game, which was the standalone game at the Oval. And I think I'm actually getting goosebumps thinking about it now. But like that game, we were on the losing side of the result. But I think that game, I think everyone was literally just taken aback with where women's cricket has got to. I think actually the result that day was obviously it was important but also like for us on the pitch it was like wow women's cricket's come such a long way like the crowd that day was incredible um and yeah so like ever since as well the hundred like it's on tv as the same as the men's game is um it's getting similar audiences now the crowds are getting bigger each year um and it's such a great tournament to be a part of that i think yeah it's it's done so much for the game and it's attracting the best players in the world and i think on the back of the 100, it seems there's more more and more franchise stuff being able to be played around the world. So, um, yeah, it's been brilliant. Yeah, and I was actually at that first game, so I like to think that I was part of that crowd being all part of it. And you basically in a, essentially just said that cricket is the real winner. We'll go with that one. Um, I like that, as yeah. a, especially when you're on the losing side. But you also were part of Manchester Originals again this year, and you got to captain that one for a bit as well, didn't you? When was it when Eccleston got injured? Was there anything different getting to captain something that was even more of a global team? Um, yeah, obviously not ideal circumstances for Eccleston, but I think yeah, to get the chance to captain in the hundred was I think really good for for me and my career and my experience. Um, and something that I was pretty, like, obviously a little bit flustered about because it was very last minute, but quite excited to do. Um, but actually, I think the higher up the level you captain, the easier it gets. I think you to captain players like Amanda Jade Wellington when she comes on to bowl, she knows exactly what she wants to do. She knows exactly what field she's got. She's studied every opposition. She's played against them all around the world. So actually, you just throw her the ball and tell her when to bowl. And it's like, it's it's a lot easier Um I think we were a brilliant fielding unit as well in the 100, one of the best I've been a part of. So I think um, it was all quite slick in terms of people going where they need to be, best fielders getting in the best positions themselves. So yeah, maybe a little bit of a difference of being a little bit more sort of self. I don't know, everyone just seemed to to crack on and do the job, which really helped me out. So I think, yeah, it was actually easier, if anything. But um, yeah, obviously not ideal circumstances, but it was, it was good to to get the chance to do that. Yeah, so you mentioned the likes of captaining someone like um, Amanda J. Wellington. Obviously, you've got Dothin as your overseas at Thunder and at the Originals. Would you want to go and join any of these sort of overseas franchises like the likes of heading down under or going to the WPL, getting involved with things like Fairbreak? How much does that appeal to you to be able to travel around the world playing cricket? Uh, yeah, I'd absolutely love to. I think, um, yeah, it's, that's what I want to do, really. I think sounds quite appealing that doesn't it going following the sun and playing a bit of cricket and earning a lot of money so um yeah obviously my priorities will always lie with thunder still got aspirations to play for England but I think if opportunities like that came around I'd obviously I'd obviously want to do that and on the topic of England in 2021 you went down under with the England A team playing England A Australia A's version of the Ashes tell us what that was like and what was it like to play not just one match, but all six. 
Yeah, it was an incredible experience, really. I think to go away with the, the England girls as well and to be sort of part of that, you did feel a part of it, which was pretty special. Um, and yeah, to, to play against Australia, it's sort of like what you dream of doing, really, isn't it? So it was pretty cool to be involved in. And it was a really nice environment to sort of to learn learn from as well. I really things that stand out from that actually weren't the games, but the the training sessions and um, working with some great coaches and um, yeah, obviously it was my first time in Australia as well, so that was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, ended up staying out there to play a bit of club stuff because I loved it that much. So yeah, it was a great trip. And I guess that's the kind of thing that just fuels that desire to play for England even more. Yeah, definitely. I think um, obviously sort of growing up on England programmes, I think it's something obviously everyone dreams of doing, something I've always dreamed of doing um, and something I'll always probably be working towards. But I also understand that that's going to come from putting in really consistent domestic performances, particularly with the bat for me. So I've got a really good understanding that my priorities actually really lie with Thunder because that's what's going to make me play for England. So I think if I just focus on that and focus on sort of, yeah, being really consistent with the bat, I think hopefully one day it'll happen. And you've got a few of the England lot, obviously, in your Thunder setup. Um, we recently had Mahika on the podcast as well. What's it been like to have someone, firstly, so young, but just so sort of mature head and just natural cricket? What's it like to have her come into the side and be like, wow, these youngsters these days, these youngsters these days, I make myself sound so old. Um, and what's it been like to be able to bring her in and sort of see her just flourish? Yeah, Meeks has been an absolute dream. I think she's such a nice girl. Um, she's actually got no idea how good she is at cricket. Um, and I think it's actually frightening that she has got no idea how good she is and she's that good. So, yeah, I think we've only really just seen the beginning from her, really. And yeah, she's an absolute dream to manage. Lovely girl. Like I've never seen anyone want to learn so much. She's just so curious all the time, asking everyone the right questions. And yeah, she's got a great attitude, so I'm pretty sure she'll uh, have a really good career. We had her at Fairbrook this year. She went up to Hartley being like, you know, I got hit for six, you know, this, that and the other, recovering after that, asking, like you say, always asking to learn something. And she turns to me, she's like, oh, Georgie, I've got something to ask you too. And I was like, oh, guys, like, yeah, the cricket knowledge. She just goes, where do you keep getting your bucket hats from? And I was like, yeah, good. This is where I stand at this kind of level. Literally, whenever I get one, she's like, where is this one from? So if you ever need to get her a birthday present, just get her a funky bucket hat and she'll absolutely love you. That's that's my, that's my I love that. tip. I can't give bowling tips. I definitely can't give those. But there you go. Hopefully I get her in hopefully I get her in Secret Santa then, hey. <laughs> oh yeah, absolute dream. There you go. Sorted. Yeah. Taking all credit for that one. And I no, we've already talked about you scoring a century at the end of the season, Ellie. But were you aware that you and Dat were involved in the highest ever partnership for a batting pair for Thunder at the time? And when these things sort of happen, do, are you guys aware of these records or do you just kind of go about your business going, I'm just going to bat, I'm just going to whack at miles today? It wasn't something I was aware of at the time. At the time. Um, someone brought it up in the, in the dressing room after the game. But I think... Um, it was actually really special because like we were talking about how big partnerships are in 50 over cricket and that's actually what we've been lacking with the bat. So in the few games we lost back end of the season, we'd done the first half really, really well with the ball and then just couldn't put any partnerships together. So I think um, for me to sort of sit there and say that in the dressing room and then to go out and be a part of a huge partnership, I think I was pretty pleased from a personal point of view, but also I think, yeah, it's, yeah to stand up and do it and to have that at the other end as well is 
such a really good rebuild from us both. I think we were 17 for three at the time um, I went into bat. So we were obviously struggling a little bit. And um, yeah, for Dats to stick around as well and to, to sort of pull it back and, and get back into the game from there was a really good effort. And I also wanted to touch a little bit on um, the sort of golf. You know, we've seen a few of the teams, you know, we can't ignore that the Vipers have done the double this year. We kind of ignore them. But the, what there might have been more of a gulf between some of the teams before. Do you think that the regional teams are getting closer all in level and it is sort of anyone's game on anyone's day now? Yeah, I do. I think the reason for that as well is that the domestic players are getting better and the squad players are getting better. So I think previously teams would have a top five, for example, and if you got through that top five, then you, you're pretty sure you're probably going to win the game or do all right. But I think you're now seeing really, really often batters five, six, seven, eight, who um, are pretty young, to be honest, um, winning games of cricket for the region. And I think that shows how much a full-time programme can can do for for a young cricketer. Um, and yeah, you see it with the ball as well, a youngster coming on and, and taking polls, which is brilliant. I think it's not just the same names anymore. We're seeing more and more young players come through um, and different players like sticking the hand up, really. Um other than the likes of probably Georgia Adams, who's had a sensational year, I think like you're seeing loads of different names winning games for the team. And I think that's something I've been really pleased to see at Thunder as well. Like, um, yeah, we probably could have had a better season, but actually if you look at who's contributed in the games we've won, it's been different people each time. We've had a few youngsters come through. Liv Bell, our academy spinner, has had a great year. Um, I really like her and her attitude, the way she's gone about her cricket. Um, and and yeah, so like that's really exciting for us as well that we've got we're producing players as well. So I think yeah, the the regional structure is definitely doing doing good things. And obviously, with the announcement yesterday that the ECB are pledging to put more money into women's cricket and the regional setup, you might have even seen Georgie yesterday on Sky Sports discussing it. If not, I'm sure she'll send you a video. But how important is it that women's cricket gets the investment because we've seen what it's done for women's football like not not to disrespect the men's football team but you know they've still not won a trophy since 1966 and evidently the women won the euros and then they won they didn't win the world cup but they got to finals so seeing that investment in the women's football how important do you think it will be for women's cricket yeah i think it'd be massive i think like at the minute we're still at a stage where we've not got fully professional squads and i think like we've still got girls who are working shifts at McDonald's or in petrol stations and then coming to training. And I think to expect to get the best out of that athlete when that's their circumstance is pretty unrealistic, really. Um, and like I've just mentioned about, like, you seeing the results of full-time, like, training coming off in games. So I think it's a no-brainer for me to sort of make the, the squads fully professional. And, yeah, it just allows people to put that more time into the cricket and, and be full-time with cricket and not have as much going on. And, yeah, invest invest more time and, and, and put all, put the role into cricket to try and make a career. And I'm aware we don't want to keep you all evening because you, you need to pack to go to Ibiza, obviously. You've got, to, you've got to get your Ibiza Crocs packed and your matching outfits <laughs> and all of those kind of things. Um, but I just wanted to touch on Lancashire as a club, like the men's alongside the women do a really, really good job of aligning the two, you know, the men's and the women's. Is that something that they're really committed to? Because it does come through so well, all the stuff on Lanx TV. And, you know, sometimes like we've seen videos of Eccles bowling at the Lancashire men in the nets and that kind of thing. How good 
does it seem to you that they are at sort of aligning the two teams and making them sort of one overarching club? Yeah, it's, they've been so brilliant with that. I think they're literally doing all they can. I can't fault any of their efforts. It's been been amazing, really. I think um, Daniel Gidney, the CEO at Lancashire, is like really, really committed into developing the women's game as well. Um, I think, yeah, Mark Chilton, the director of cricket, has been sort of in and around the Lancashire Academy when a few of us were on the Lancs Academy as girls. Um, so I think he's sort of been invested in the women's game for a long time. Um and yeah, I think the media team particularly have been unbelievable in sort of making sure we're well covered and um, things are going out on social media all the time. And the Lanx TV stuff is like our stream is probably the best in the country. Like I think Sky Sports tried to steal it a few times as well, which probably shows the quality of it. Um, so yeah, I think even like the the preseason tours, stuff like that, they're literally doing all they can. So I think, yeah, I couldn't be asking any more of them really. And it's it's I think we're really lucky as a club to to have sort of their backing and their investment. That seems like a pretty nice note to sort of end things there on. Basically, big up blanks. Everyone else should be copying exactly what they're doing. But we always like to round off with just sort of some quick fire questions before, obviously, you go and pack and get yourself ready for Ibiza. Um, so one we like to always go for is what is your favourite item at a traditional cricket tea? Oh, um. I've not had one for years because of COVID. Um, I would probably say a prawn mayonnaise sandwich. If they've got prawn mayo sandwiches, it's a posh club and it's a good cricket tea, I reckon. Nice. Good choice, actually. Yeah, I rate that. Rate that. Yeah, we've not had that one. That's such a staple. How have we not had that? Such a staple. (sighs) Favourite sledge, either that you've said or someone said to you. Favourite sledge. Do you know what was hilarious? So I was playing when we played against Storm the other day. Um, we literally needed like twelve to win with like five wickets down, and um, someone on the boundary, so not even in the ring, someone on the boundary is counting my dot balls, and like it was hilarious because I didn't know whether she was like being serious or not because we were literally about to win the game. But um, yeah, I think that's quite a good one because it just like properly winds me up when I'm batting. But I was laughing. No, that's fun. I like that. Um, last TV show you binge watched. Uh, I actually recently rewatched Gossip Girl. Oh my god! Um, nice. Yeah, great show, great show. Easy watching. Don't watch the new ones; they're terrible. Yeah, they don't look brilliant. No, they're terrible. Hours of my life, I'm never getting back. <laughs> Go to drink on a night out. Water, because I'm an athlete. No, um, probably like like a bottle of Corona or a gin and tonic. Nice. Favorite Disney character. I'm not a massive Disney fan, to be fair. It's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll let you off. It's okay. I think I. I mean, I don't even think he's Disney, but I'm 100 percent think mine is Shrek. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I can get on board with that. Disney. I just love someone once. Okay, someone once told me that I was Princess Fiona, and I they didn't then specify if that was Ogre Princess <laughs> Fiona or normal human one so I can't decide if they told me I was an ogre or not but this isn't (laughs) um yes uh, is um is Lion King a Disney film yes yes I like the Lion King I'd be the lion okay cool yeah Um, that doesn't really narrow it down for characters it's quite a lot of lions in there but you can be them all (laughs) you can just be all the lions um tea or coffee fair fair what do you got are you like an oat milk are you an oat milker oat milk latte 
Um, I actually drink it black, but partial to an oat flat white as well. Don't mind. Don't mind everyone one of them. Is, everyone is, aren't they? Because it's creamier, everyone. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite mainstream, but I, I can get on board with it. Yeah, I'm a black coffee person, and everyone's like, we can only go here because they do this, and I'm like, it's, it's black coffee wherever it is. It's all the same. Yeah. Favourite holiday destination? place I've ever been was Melbourne in Australia, but I've been on quite a few family holidays to Mallorca. Mm. Um, and that's probably my favourite place in the world. To be fair, I know I've just given you three answers, but I also really like Anglesey in Wales. Oh. Um, love taking my dog to the beach in Anglesey. It's probably my favourite. Nice. What's your go-to order when you go for a delivery? Oh, Wagamamas. Yeah, everyone. I spend the summer dr- eating Wagamamas and Nando's on delivery. Nice. And what spice level on your Nando's? Medium. Okay, that's acceptable. If you get lemon and lemon and herbs, all right. If you're getting plain or like weak, it's not. It's not for you. Don't no, tell me you get plain torchy. I actually used to find ketchup spicy. So, oh dear. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good that I'm not off to the World Cup, isn't it? I need to train myself to eat spice before I go to India. I think. So yeah, but like washing my food. Yeah, I I can't. I don't even own a pepper grinder. Sorry, mm. pepper's not spicy. Pepper is like. To be fair, I don't really like pepper. Oh. It's a different type of spice. I'm not. I can't get on board with that. No, but give me a bloody Mary, and I'm anyone's. So. <laughs> anyway, um, favorite person you've ever got out or hit for six? Oh, it's quite a tough question that when you don't hit sixes. Uh, <laughs> I remember taking a pretty decent catch when Elise Perry was batting in the hundred. Um, and it's a pretty big wicket in the game, and she's obviously a bit of a goat, so I'll probably say that. Yeah. Um, if not cricket, what would you want to do? Literally any job in the world. You could be the prime minister if you fancied it. I'd. Oh, what do I want to do? Um, I would. I definitely think still sport. I'd want to play footy or something. Or I always think when I was at Loughborough, I always like really wanted to be a sprinter, but I'm like one of the slowest people in the team. But like if I was quick, I'd like love that. Just like lifting big in the gym and only having to ever run 100 metres. That's I think that's for me. I also think it's because they all have like a real. I don't want to use the word swag, but they do, don't they? They've all got like a real. Yeah. And I'm just not that cool. But I think there's something about sprinters as well. Like <laughs> Richardson is so cool, but also terrifying. Yeah. Uh, cats or dogs? Oh, dogs. I was going to have to delete the whole recording otherwise. It has a dog. <laughs> she has a dogs. pet dog, man. You know what? Yeah. Some people have one dog and like 12 cats. You never know. Cats no, are just, weird, just one man. dog. Yeah. I'm not a cat fan. No. Um, Favourite place you've ever played cricket? Um, India. Oh, nice. Yeah. And where what would be your dream place to play? Um, I think just because I've not been before, New Zealand. I think it looks beautiful um, and somewhere I've never been, so I'd love to go and play out there. Yeah, nice. And Alex, you got any more? Favourite musician or artist? Oh, good question. Um... I really into Jamie Webster at the minute. He's a Scouser. He sings, um, yeah, in a Scouse accent, and his music's class. So um, he's a big Liverpool fan. Like sings before Liverpool games and stuff. 
So um, give him a listen if you don't know who he is. I you don't. Thank me I, later. There you go. Um, what's your cricket ick? Uh, keeping in a short sleeve shirt. And oh, actually, I did want to have a. Why the black gloves? I mean, I love the black gloves, but how did that come about? Um, I think. So when the first year of the 100, I got a black pair because I was like, oh, I'll match the kit. And they went down really well. And then um, like they matched our Thunder kit as well because it was grey and black. And then when the Thunder kit turned red, I was like, oh, I've not wore any other colour gloves for three years now. I think this is me. I think I'm a black glove person. So I've just stuck with it. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan. I think they're really cool. So you can, yeah, you can, I think you're cool. not going to go red gloves to match the Thunder kit then. If I could get a pair of red ones, I'd be all over it, I reckon. I think they'd be cool. How good. Bit um, of a plug. Grey Nichols, make some red gloves. Grey Nichols! Ellie Throckgold wants some red gloves, please. Thank <laughs> you. Or literally anyone. Yeah. That would be With New Balance. Send us some, some red ones like the Welsh Fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice ones. Come on. All about the ads and sponsors and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, if someone could make red ones, that'd be cool. You could have one of each. Is that a thing? Are you allowed to do that? <laughs> you could have red on the outside and then black there. Yeah, that'd be cool. I wonder if there's a rule about Sorry that. for all your marketing needs. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Um, Ellie, before you go, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you on the social medias? Yes. Um, my Instagram is elliefrailkeld7, I think. My Twitter is just at Ellie Threlkeld, I think. Um, and yeah, I don't really use Facebook, so that's about it, really. No TikTok? No, not a TikToker. It's not for me, that I don't think. Just so wait, you're, saying... you're in Ibiza with Capsi and Eccleston, that's going to change. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what you're saying is Eccles has got all the TikToks lined up. I think I feature on her TikTok, but I don't have it myself which is probably a good thing because I don't really want to see what she keeps videoing me doing. So, <laughs> Well, we won't keep you any longer um, from the draw of your holiday. I hope you don't have to get up <laughs> to fly, but I'm also actually whatever time. I'm very jealous. Um, Ellie Thruggle, thank you so much for joining us on Women's Cricket Chat. It's been absolutely fab having you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, enjoy your holiday and... We will we'll look forward to seeing what the next season brings. And the red gloves. Thank you. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at WCricketChat, on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at GeorgieHees27 and I'm at Alexander Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Podcast Network.